to the Flex of Gold Fantasy Football Podcast, your new favorite fantasy football podcast, Angelo Lisa, alongside Nick Perillo. And we are at the showdown of the week, the hots and knots. And uh, quick, let's see, let's talk about the quick news, though, that we got, Nick. Uh, we got Russell Wilson and Chris Carson going on IR. Uh, so big news out of Seattle. We kind of figured that with Russ. Carson had a neck injury and he was day to day. And it's like brand new news that he is now moving to the IR. Both guys... I mean, Carson has always been the pinnacle RB2 that you want. Gets high volume, is usually good for 10 points a week. Yeah, you got the injury history, but, you know, he was always a very solid RB2. Russ, I mean, he's been an elite option for a while now. Uh, But, yeah, this really changes things now in Seattle. I think the offense is going to look very different. You have a lot of guys in there. Like, you have the receiving core. Jill Everett is affected now. Maybe he sees an uptick. Who knows? And then that running back room, which I want zero parts of. Yeah, it's a tough blow for Seattle, for a team that I think you and I can agree with, kind of since we've been uh, at the end of high school, always been a team that no matter what happens to them, that since they've had Russ at the helm, has been a team that's always consistently good. They, you know, they're well coached. The front office kind of, you know, is able to fix the team every year or so just to make it, you know, a float and a playoff contender. But with these two major injuries, I think this could be the year where we see Seattle really fall off and maybe go into a tailspin the end of the year here. I mean, Russ kind of is their whole team. He generates a lot of the offense there. But even with Carson gone, I mean, you know, he's good for being banged up probably a couple games a year. But for an extended period of time here, it's going to be really taxing on them just because, I mean, they haven't really found any kind of success with a backup running back in the past couple of years. Not, no really one-two punch there with Carson. Like Rashad Penny didn't really work out for them. I think they had that guy, uh, Homer, a couple years ago. He didn't really work out for them. Do they? Would have DJ uh, Dallas down there? Homer's still there too. Like that's yeah. the whole reason why I'm avoiding this backfield. Is that like they have a the bunch same guys that we we already know what they're gonna do. They've had a five man backfield. It seems like for years, and it's like the same guys. It's Chris Carson, uh, Alex Collins, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, and uh, Rashad Penny. Penny, I think, is already hurt. So now you're gonna see a plat- uh, platoon of Alex Collins, Travis Homer. <laughs> And DJ Dallas, all of whom have had success at one time or another in like these random spot games. Homer maybe less so than Dallas and Collins, but I do think you're going to see a true committee. And even though Collins got a lot of the work the week before, I don't. I could totally see them using DJ Dallas more. So I just there's nothing I want to do with this backfield. Geno Smith is better than we give him credit for. I think. I think that DK Metcalf will still be fine. My concern comes with Tyler Lockett, and we'll talk about him in a minute for the hots and knots. But yeah, I mean, Seattle has always been a solid team, and you know, they're really pretty fancy relevant, and it's going to be weird to go the next three weeks at least without that relevance. But let's get into some of the fun stuff. Let's do a quick recap of last week. We did have a split, Nick. I thought you would have swept me, but I actually did better in the hots than I thought. Finally knocked you off there. 78.66 78.66 to 52.02. I just have to thank Kyle Pitts, C.D. Lamb, and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Rodgers didn't do the best, but he did enough. You ended up picking Daniel Jones. That was really yeah, the big one that, that sunk you. <laughs> uh, Stephon Diggs also didn't really help your case, only finishing his wide receiver 48 with 8.9 points in PPR. 
My knots, though, uh, yeah, when you pick Justin Herbert and Najee Harris, you're probably going to lose if you're picking them to do badly. So uh, we're just not going to talk about the knots. We, yeah, I got, I got spanked. It was eighty nine. Yeah. It was eighty nine point five two to fifty one point three four. Justin Nick. Herbert, yeah, went insane uh, last week. Yeah, even if you cut Herbert, though, it's funny because I could have had Herbert not in my list, and he still would have beat me because yeah. Najee. Uh, yeah, Najee and Justin Herbert actually outscored all the guys you picked combined. Yeah. <laughs> but let's see how this goes this week. Let's again start off with our the. Maybe the most important position, but, you know, it's always a deep one. I did a list today. I'm just like, wow, there's like 16 startable guys in fantasy. Uh, move to two QB systems if you haven't already. Uh, Matt Stafford uh, playing playing the Giants uh, on the road, though. So, you know, there's a little bit of concern there. Uh, coming off of a game, you know, they got they already got the revenge game for losing to the Cardinals. But this Giants team is so banged up. I could really see Stafford, you know, maybe go for a casual 300 yards and three touchdowns. Just a very, a very, very nice high floor team. Uh, again, they've been on a roll for the most part. The Cardinals game notwithstanding. I mean, this team is liable to go nuclear with all the options that they have. Uh, I mean, Cooper Cup's been having an amazing season. I think Robert Woods is back. Van Jefferson's been a very solid number three. Hey, they get Higby involved. Henderson's been really good, and especially in the passing game. So give me some Stafford this week. I'm liking what he can put on the table. Yeah, as a Stafford, I mean, I've been talking up Stafford the whole year. As a guy who owns him on my team, I can never, you know, say that, uh, you know, I don't expect him to have a good week. Had a little bit of a down week last week playing Seattle. But, you know, sometimes those Thursday night games can be a little weird. They were on the road, too. Uh, they ran the ball a lot more, though, in that game than they normally do, or at least I would expect them to do. So I could see, like, kind of a return to form with that air raid going into this game against the Giants. And the good thing about Stafford is he's been throwing for a lot of yards per game, too, where that at least helps you fantasy-wise, where maybe if you don't get the touchdowns there, like he only had one touchdown last week, the yards per game are still going to help you out in, uh, that, in that department. Going to my uh, hot quarterback, I'm going to pick kind of a chalk pick, but I'm going to go with uh, Kyler Murray. After what we saw Justin Herbert do to the Cleveland Browns defense last week, I expect a lot of the same from Kyler Murray and a guy who's super athletic, uh, as we all know, uh, you know, running uh, with his running ability. I think that this is going to be a poise for a big week for Kyler Murray. Um, You know, like I said, it's a chalk pick, but a guy who, Right now is almost leading the way, I would say, uh, in MVP discussions. So uh, give me some Kyler Murray this week against the Browns. Yeah, I was going to pick Kyler just based on the game that we saw last week between uh, Cleveland and the Chargers. The Cleveland defense is very hard to get a read on, but it seems like the kind of defense that's going to demolish the teams that are bad and maybe struggle a little bit against teams that have higher-end talent. Arizona definitely does have the talent comparable to the Chargers. I mean, you look at Mike Williams, Keenan Allen on that side. Then you have A.J. Green, Nuke Hopkins. Ronnie Moore has been really good this season. Christian Kirk has had some spots. Just, you know, fantastic offense to watch with the Cardinals. It's all about can they keep putting it together. Uh, maybe some honorable mentions here. Like I think Geno Smith and Ben Roethlisberger may be streamable if you're really desperate. Uh, Seattle's defense is bad. And again, like I said, Geno's uh, better than we give him credit for. Moving on to the knots, though. Uh, Dak Prescott, uh, this is me kind of going out on a limb here. I do like to be a little bit more uh, bold with some of these picks. Dak definitely fits that mold because he's been fantastic this year. But going against a New England defense that is always fantastic at taking away what you do best. Yeah, it's not the same New England team, but it is on the road. 
We have already seen Brady struggle there. I think that Dak can struggle there as well, especially with Amari Cooper still a little bit banged up. Yeah, they have a good running game. This could be a game where you just feed Zeke the entire game and get Tony Pollard the ball. I don't see Dak having that super high ceiling that he normally would, so I'm going to take him here at my knots. Yeah, I agree. The Patriots have kind of turned more into, I would say, like a gritty team that you play against where you need to find ways to win where it's not necessarily that you're not going to be able to beat them, but it's a little more of a slugfest than you would think going in. So I think they're going to really try to run the ball with Zeke. I know Zeke was uh, questionable with an injury this week, but he should be all right, to, all right to play. And even if he's not, they have Tony Pollard there. Tony Pollard has been getting uh, an exceptional amount of playing time. So they're kind of you know running a little bit of a uh, – two-headed monster in the backfield there in Dallas where I think, you know, maybe you get, maybe Dak has like one of those down games where kind of like what we saw, like I was saying with Stafford last week where, you know, maybe he only gets one passing touchdown, doesn't throw for as many yards as you would expect. Maybe, you know, hovers around the 14 to 16 point range, which it's okay if you're streaming a quarterback like Geno Smith, but you know, when you have Dak Prescott, you expect a lot more out of him. So I think that's a a valid take there in the, the not category for a guy of his stature. Could say it better myself. Going uh, with my not, I'm going to go with a guy who I'm solely picking him just based on his projection this week. He's projected above a lot of quarterbacks. It's Taylor Heineke. Uh, Heineke, to me, is like a chaotic good quarterback where <laughs> you have no idea what he, he – someone I have listened to Pardon My Take, and they were talking about how he's like he's like a young Ryan Fitzpatrick. He does some like crazy things. Sometimes he, he the volume of throws that they do – down in uh, Washington is kind of crazy. They don't really run the ball a lot, which is I thought was going to be a strength for them, trying to get Antonio Gibson involved. But they throw the ball a ton to their backs anyway, and uh, a ton of, you know they have a ton of athletic receivers and just a good all-around uh, lot of weapons on the uh, the air raid part of their offense. So it's just there's a lot set up there for Tyler Heineke, but he had a really down game last week, and I think people are always discounting they're you know discounting the Chiefs defense and they have been this year with with good measure just because they really haven't been playing that well but I think you know if you're the Chiefs and you got to turn the season around you're starting with the defense and that was a big that was definitely a uh, a big emphasis probably in practice this week. Yeah, this could be this is the one ranking that I look at on ESPN that doesn't make a lot of sense. And but you do look at the guys behind him and you're like okay, that's why. And you look at those matchups too. But really, we're going with Tyler Heineke against the Chiefs. It's really weird. Uh, I I mean, Grant, I love him as a QB. He's fun to watch. You can't say he's boring. As a Terry McLaurin owner, though, it can be frustrating because there is a lot of ups and a lot of downs. It's a very much a roller coaster. And the Fitzpatrick chaotic good comp is just you know spot on with him. He's going to do a lot of things. He can do a lot of things. It's just that there are going to be times where you're like, what the hell are you doing? And it looks real ugly, so... Yeah, I definitely can understand this being the knot. This is definitely a place where, again, the ranking doesn't make sense, and it makes sense that he's going to, you know, maybe fall a little bit short of expectation. Moving into the running backs. Let's start off with a guy who is get, who is a third-string running back now getting into the starting spot due to injuries and COVID, uh, Khalil Herbert. I, again, mentioned him on the Tuesday show. Just a guy that we've seen t- uh, in college just be a very explosive runner. And he had a pretty darn good game last week uh, in a two-back system in Chicago. Playing the Packers, they're going to want to keep it close. They're going to want to keep this to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, if Rodgers gets up early, this could be kind of phased out, but I still think he'll have a role in the passing game. And if they're running the ball 34 times in a game, 
They're not going to – and for whatever reason, Justin Fields is not running the ball. Herbert's in line, I think, get maybe over 20 carries. And that's a lot of volume. Like, if he starts sniffing that 25, it doesn't matter what he's doing on the ground yards per carry-wise. You're going to get points. And I'm guaranteeing you that he's going to probably score a touchdown if they're on the ball that much. So give me Khalil Herbert. I like this upside. I'm not really – the Packers team, they're not the Packers of yesteryear who are super good run stuffers. They're just kind of okay in everything. So I think that the Bears are going to be able to run on them. I think it is a uh, a little bit of a bold hot. But, you know, I do like that we, you know, spice it up a little bit and have some guys kind of outside the box. But like you just mentioned, the biggest thing for running backs is the amount of touches they get. And that Bears team, like we kind of forecasted a couple weeks ago, they're still just, you know, the rookie quarterback, you know, new offense, trying to figure out some things where I think you kind of just have to throw everything out there and throw it at the wall and hope it sticks. And Khalil Herbert's a guy who I think, you know, has been getting a lot of buzz the past couple weeks. You mentioned him last week, I think, is one of your uh, pickups that you were looking for. And like we said, he's more versatile and athletic than uh, the Darrell Williams. Damian Williams. Yeah, Damian Williams. I always keep getting them confused. Because they're, they so, both played for the Chiefs, too. It's like, come on, man. It's, it's crazy. They're the same kind of running back, too. But um, like I said, yeah, he's more of an athletic guy, which I think could play big uh, dividends just because you can use him in so many different uh, ways on the, that offense. Kind of like the, the reimagined better version of maybe a, a Tariq Cohen. Absolutely. Going to my uh, hot for running back, another chalk pick, but it's going to be Kareem Hunt. Uh, Kareem Hunt's going to be probably getting the start down there in uh, Cleveland with um, Nick Chubb being out. And the whole thing, the Kareem Hunt is such an, a weird player because we know with all the off, uh, off-field problems that kind of derailed uh, you know, his career a little bit. He was suspended a couple of years ago for, I think it was eight games. And he was kind of like a backup. It was a little weird when Cleveland signed him, but someone had to sign him. But people forget when he was on Kansas City, how electric and how good he was. And, you know, every time you see him, I mean, Cleveland just found a way to put him in a role and he does produce. But now getting all that lion's share of carries and all the volume on those touches, he's going to be a monster. I think he's an easy top five play this week. It's insane that they have him and Chubb on the same backfield. (laughs) I will say this for the Cleveland, even in games where Chubb doesn't play, they do a good job incorporating the backups for Hunt. So he's not going to get every carry, but he's still been dangerous enough with the timeshare that he's been a flex or a low key RB two most weeks. And I would say he's had a better season up until this point than Chubb. Uh, And he's more consistent. Chubb kind of has those big games and then maybe 80 yards and that's it from him. Hunt's always getting those catches. So his ceilings, I mean, his floor is a little bit higher and, Against this Arizona defense, which has been very susceptible to the run, has a great data feast. And I'm thankful that I'm not facing him in any league. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Speaking of uh, Damian and Daryl Williams, I got Daryl Williams here. Uh, With the Chiefs, I see this being a game where they want to make a statement. They just got punched in the mouth by Buffalo real bad. And the offense itself has not looked like it's normal, high-flying, exciting stuff. It's kind of been, like, marred down by teams just literally sitting on the pass the entire time. And it's just hard for me to see this Chiefs team willingly getting the running game involved. I think they're going to be even more extreme in their passing. I think Mahomes wants to show that, hey, I'm not falling behind 44-year-old Tom Brady or malcontent Aaron Rodgers. I'm still the best QB in the league. I see this being a very 
electric performance by the Chiefs who need to make a statement. And so I don't see them running the ball. I don't think that's how they're going to make their statement. I don't think Mahomes checks down enough for uh, Daryl Williams to be valuable. There's a lot of guys. Like, he's a guy you're getting off the waivers, but he's not a guy I'm willing to start this week against a Washington team that still has a very tough front seven. The defense is not as good as we like pr- predicted it to be, but it, it still has talent there, and the talent is not in the secondary. So I just see Mahomes lighting up this Washington team, and Daryl Williams will not factor into that. Yeah, it's a big statement week for the Chiefs, like well, we've been saying, just because um, it's really, I don't know about you, but it's its its like the most adversity I think we've seen them face so far in the Mahomes era as him as a starter. They were rolling through teams, you know, when he won his MVP that one year, he had the over the 50, the over 50 touchdowns, and you just expect them to be there at the end of the year in that uh, AFC championship game at the least, but you know, starting the year two and three in the with the emergence of Justin Herbert and the Chargers and even like the Raiders and the Broncos are playing pretty competitive. Um, it is a big statement game. And I, I, I know what you mean. I could see Mahomes going off for like a five touchdown game. I don't see this being like a slog game for the Chiefs where they like, you know, like like punch it out here with Washington. I could see them putting up big numbers quickly and going up maybe like 21 nothing all on like Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey passing. I, I think they're going to want to put 40. That's just me. Yeah. It, it's a statement game. Like we said, you know, they want to assert, you know, dominance. <laughs> Speaking of statements that we're making, uh, why don't you go ahead? Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm going to go and out, some would call it a limb and say that I think I'm not this week. I'm going to go with the law of averages and kind of a gut feeling. I'm going to say Derrick Henry does not have the best week uh, that we've seen. I mean, anything I'm going to say right now is probably just going to play against it but I, I i just i'm i'm really feeling the buffalo defense this week buffalo's been a fun team to watch the past two years they're coming off a huge win against um the chiefs on sunday night football i just love the buffalo front seven and i think they're gonna stop derrick henry and the law of averages are gonna even out here and i don't see derrick henry having a bananas game maybe he gets like 15 points but to me that's that's good enough for him not I, I, you know, law of averages makes a lot of sense. If you look at uh, Derrick Henry's current game by game numbers, we'll start with just the rushing. Uh, week one, lowest total of the season, 17 carries. After that, 35, 28, 33, 29. That's just carries. That's not total touches. Those are carries. This is an NFL team running the ball in excess of 28 times a game. Receiving wise, Seattle, six. Indy 3, Jets 2, he didn't have anything against Jacksonville, but they are using him a lot more in the passing game. Jacksonville was the first game where he did not see a target, but it was also his second highest scoring game of the season. Now, counterpoint, it's Derek freaking Henry. And I've just assumed, and I'm just accepting now, that he defies all logic. And you just have to throw out the numbers and logic and regression when it comes in, because he's not going to stop. He's just going to keep going. And I will tell you right, tell you what right now, come into next season, and I know I've said it on this podcast, running backs are a tad overrated. He'll be my number one guy because I still, it's just, they're going to feed him. They're going to force feed him the ball. And I think in this era of NFL where your defense are getting, defensive players are getting smaller and smaller, having a guy that's 6'3", 230, just running through people. I, it's a very inherent advantage, and I compare it, actually. It's one of the reasons why I think Cordell Patterson's having such a good year as a running back. Due to 6'2", 220. 
big running backs are going to be hard to stop as the defenses have to get smaller in order to be more adaptable. So Derrick Henry defies the logic, but I do understand why you're taking a risk this week after the four weeks of 28 freaking carries. That's just insane. He's on pace for 430 carries this year. Just nuts. All right. Moving on to the receivers. I'm going with T. Higgins. Uh, you know, not the best season so far for him. 22 targets, 150 yards. Uh, only two touchdowns. Has not, sco- uh, has not scored since week... I want to say that's week two. But he's been a little bit banged up. He came back last week against Green Bay. Had seven targets for 32 yards. I think another week, getting, healthy under his, uh, getting another week of health under his belt... We've already seen Jamar Chase just put up some really ridiculous stuff with Burrow. And I think teams are going to start keying in on Jamar Chase. But Higgins is not to be you know trifled with. He's still very good. Great red zone receiver. Fantastic in the end zone. Currently only on pace for 480 yards. And that's hard for me to believe the season that he had last year ends with under 500 this year. I think we're going to see a nice big T. Higgins game. Yeah, T. Higgins is a guy who I was really high on uh, coming into this year. Hasn't really put it fully together. We've seen the emergence of Jamar Chase being uh, one of Burrow's favorite targets. But T. Higgins is kind of your big possession receiver there. He's going to be underneath a lot. He's going to be, you know, on those clutch third downs. He's a guy you go to kind of like sideline to sideline sometimes. So I like T. Higgins a lot for the fact that he should be getting more targets, uh, just the type of player he is and kind of the rapport he has with Burrow. So, I mean, I like T. Higgins this week. Maybe to get up the Schneid and, the Schneid and start getting uh, back in the right direction, a little, a little more uh, consistency going forward. Just because Jamar Chase is, you know, the big downfield weapon that's always there. But I think, uh, you know, the, the targets uh, are going to come for T. Higgins. And, you know, he's banged up weeks three and four, but had seven targets last week. So I, I'm confident maybe he'll get back on track this week. Uh, going, speaking of a guy who uh, is getting back on track, I'm going to go with Robert Woods as my hot receiver. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk early on in the year about how Robert Woods really wasn't getting involved, and it was all the Cooper Cup show. But we saw last week that it was an emphasis to try to get the ball to Robert Woods, and Robert Woods was a man on a mission last week in Seattle. Had a ton of catches, a ton of targets, and I think that, um, you know, they're probably trying to, like, you know, it's just good for the team in general when you're able to get the ball to so many different guys. So I think that it was an emphasis to try to give him the ball. And playing against the New York Giant team that's a little bit banged up, uh, especially on the offensive side and a little bit on the defensive side, it should be a monster week for Robert Woods again. Yeah, I like Woods. as I liked him as a buy-low guy a couple weeks ago. I still like his outlook the rest of the season with Stafford at QB. I mean, Cooper Cup can't keep putting up <laughs> dumb numbers. Like Again, regression comes for us all except for Derrick Henry. So, Robert Woods, do like that matchup this week with the Giants. Moving on to the Knots, Tyler Lockett. I mentioned him at the top of the podcast. Geno Smith, I think, is better than what we think he is. I think that Geno is more than capable to serve as a spot starter for a couple weeks. That said, when you have a guy like Lockett who's great as the play goes longer and has built up that chemistry with Russell Wilson over seven seasons, I feels like, uh, like they just kind of start reading each other and, and you know, understanding what they want the other to do and dropping over the shoulder passes. Gino and Tyler Lockett don't have that. I think that you're going to see a lot more Gerald Everett. I think you're going to see a lot more checkdowns to running backs. And I think you see 
the same amount, if not more, DK Metcalf just as a pure giant specimen to throw the ball to with an insane catch radius. Like if you're playing, if random Joe off the street is playing quarterback and he's got Tyler Lockett on one side and DK Metcalf on the other, who is he likely going to throw the ball up to? It's going to be DK Metcalf. Easy. So I think because of that, Tyler Lockett's going to see a step back. I think these next three weeks are going to be rough. However, he is a guy that I would try and buy low on in a couple weeks. Definitely. I mean, he's a guy who coming into the season, everyone was, you know, off, uh, don't, you know, don't draft Tyler Lockett, but up until this point, he's been pretty good. But I think the thing you mentioned right there that was perfect is just the chaos that ensues sometimes when Russell Wilson's, you know, scrambling out of the pocket and he's trying to find guys and we've seen it. He's so good at that, you know, under pressure and under duress, finding guys. And it's usually Tyler Lockett for like a big catch and a big uh, chunk play. But this the Seattle offense without their running backs and Geno Smith that quarterback they're gonna do a lot of different this uh, coming up on this Sunday. I like you mentioned I can see a ton of underneath routes, a ton of maybe like slants uh, to DK Metcalf and just trying to get the ball spread out a little bit where you don't really want Geno Smith to be gunning it downfield to Tyler Lockett because that's just gonna lead to turnovers. And the biggest thing with any backup quarterback that's playing is you need to limit the turnovers and just try to move the ball as much as you can. Uh, and at a good pace as he can because you start uh, throwing up these home run balls. It's just not going to end well. Going to my not, I'm going to go with uh, Justin Jefferson, another kind of a hotter take. Um, I just don't – I still don't really love this Minnesota offense. It's got a lot to – you know, got a lot of potential in it. Just Justin Jefferson's been great this year. I've had a a monster game last year, wasn't able to get in the end zone, but – Carolina's got a pretty good secondary. They're allowing seven fewest points uh, in fantasy uh, to receivers. And I just like last week, I mean, not that Detroit is a laughable team. They're kind of like, you know, they're a competitive bad team, but they're still an 0-5 team that Minnesota only was like barely beat. They only scored, what was it, 19 points against them? Yep. And if, you know, it was like Kirk Cousins didn't look great in that game. So I'm just kind of going off the law of averages again where I don't think maybe Justin Jefferson has the greatest week this week. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that you hate my fantasy team by dissing on Justin Jefferson. But, <laughs> yeah, no, I could totally see that. This is going to be a very ugly game. I'd be fascinated to see what this Vikings team looked like with a modern NFL coach as opposed to one that's stuck in the early 2000s because they have so much freaking talent. It's insane, the talent on that offense. Yeah, the O-line's not great. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a little bit overpaid. But look at that receiving core and look at the running backs. They're just even like Tyler Conklin is a serviceable NFL tight end. Like they have guys. There's no reason why this team isn't capable of putting up 28 points a week. The reason being is because they play at such a slow place that you would think that you're back in the 1980s. So would it surprise me that against a team like Carolina that the defense is really good and this is a low scoring game? No. Would I be disappointed by it because I have Justin Jefferson and I'm in a big game this week to stay undefeated? Yes. But I can completely get your rationale. And uh, we're moving on now to tight ends. And I'm taking a real big, this is my like sleeper guy. Not sure how many people know him. Travis Kelsey. And that's I've it. Heard of him. That's it. He, <laughs> again, I, I think this is going to be a nuclear game for the Chiefs. Those That would mean Tyree Kill goes up. Travis Kelsey goes up. And Tyree Kill is banged up. Yeah, Kelsey's going to see a bunch of targets. Like, this could be a 16-target game. And, uh, yeah, that's all I need to say is Travis Kelsey. 
For my sake, I hope not. I mean, I had to survive the Mark Andrews 41-point barrage last week. You know, the, the worst thing in the world is that when a tight end just completely demolishes your team. And uh, I don't, I'm not looking forward to playing against Travis Kelsey this week, needless to say. Um, but going on to my hot uh, receiver, I'm going to pick a guy who had a down week last week, but fan favorite of mine, and it's Noah Fant. Um, simply put, I just think he has a good bounce back week this week against the Raiders. Uh, which I'm going to talk about a little in a little bit again, but with a team with a lot of dismay around them, I could see the Broncos putting a hurting on the Raiders, and it's going to start a lot with Noah Fant. He's still one of the primary targets there in that offense, and check down Teddy's probably going to go to him a, a good amount. Yeah, a couple. He he seems to be a guy that's uh, on again, off again. Every other week he's got a touchdown. Uh, week one he had 60 yards, which made him startable. The second week he had 33 and a touchdown. Last week, only 20 yards, no touchdown. So, yeah, a guy that should be seeing an uptick, especially with how banged up the Broncos receiving core is. Against the Raiders team, which we talked about on Tuesday, just bad vibes. Like, Raiders, I'm just, I'm avoiding betting on the Raiders in anything because of the fact that we don't know exactly how this is going to shake out. And the same reason why I'm not betting on the Jaguars, although, you know, one is very clearly worse than the other. But yeah, Fant is due a bounce back, so I do like that pick. I was actually very frustrated when I couldn't trade for him in my league. So yeah, would make sense. Uh, flip it over to Knotts. Uh, Tyler Higby. I'm just not a big believer this week. Yeah, I think Stafford's going to go off, but I think this is going to be more of a receiver game and Daryl Henderson game. Uh, maybe some Sony Michelle thrown in there. But I don't think Higby's going to find the end zone this week, and that's kind of his whole bread and butter is that once he finds the end zone, that kind of gives him that big fantasy ceiling. Just not a guy that's been getting a ton of targets in this offense. I mean, he has three games of over five targets, but he's also got two games under three targets. Last week he had two, and it was only saved by a touchdown. So, yeah, I'm just not big on Tyler Higby. I don't think he's going to be a top 12 tight end, so leave him on your bench. You know me, I'm not uh, never ever really big on the Tyler Higby train. I mean, I think he's an okay receiver, but I mean, an okay tight end, but never a guy who I'm really always like uh, high on. Uh, going to my not tight end, I'm going to go with uh, Jonu Smith. I think that uh, in New England, Hunter Henry should officially be considered the guy. He's had back to back good weeks. We talked about uh, possibly adding him on some of your teams. If uh, he was available in the uh, waiver wire, I just think that, you know, New England's a weird place where people get hot and cold, but I just don't think that Jonu Smith has gelled enough with this offense and kind of the role he's been in to where I would feel comfortable starting him and relying on him uh, this week. I know they're playing Dallas, who doesn't have the greatest defense in the world, but I just think that at this point, Hunter Henry's going to be the one getting uh, a lion's share of the uh, tight end looks. Yeah, I believe I heard on a podcast this week, I couldn't, couldn't tell you exactly where, but I believe Janu is being used as a blocker on 80% of snaps. Uh, so he's not running as many routes. Hunter Henry seems to be the guy that's getting the receiving you know, looks for tight ends. So yeah, Janu is kind of a guy who I'd be more comfortable with dropping and not rostering just because, again, Patriots offense isn't exactly sustainable for any other fantasy options outside like Jacoby Myers, a running back, and maybe Hunter Henry. So definitely like that pick. Moving on to defense, and this is kind of where we're very kind of split. I have Jacksonville here, and I don't feel great about it. I'm not. I don't feel great about a, a lot of these streamable defenses. A lot of the best ones are already picked up. Like if you have the Colts, you're probably feeling pretty good. But 
after that, Detroit's been frisky, and I don't like play. I don't want to. I don't feel good about that. So I look at the Jacksonville playing a Dolphins team who has to a back. Yes, but I believe they've ruled out Devontae Parker, and we'll talk about it in a second. But Xavier Howard's also been ruled out. So the Dolphins are already losing two of their better players, which lowers their ceiling. And so Jacksonville, as a team that is always playing in London anyway, I could see them kind of, you know, doing enough. It's not going to look like Saxonville, but I, I think they are a streamable tight a, a def, streamable defense in the exact sense of like you have them for a week and then they're gone because you do not want that on your roster. I'm going to disagree. I think that the Dolphins make it a game where maybe they'll win a little bit easily this week in London. London's it's just it's a weird game every time in there. There's usually blowouts or I, I just hate it. I hate their games in general. I, I think like the players don't really like, you know, they're not really like into it as much. It's just, it's a weird atmosphere. You know, you're at a different time zone. The 9.30 a.m. starts are weird. I think Miami, they've, they've had a horrible season so far and, and you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. They'll probably have a higher draft pick again. Who knows where they're going to go with that. But even if Tua was healthy, we still don't know if their record would be any better than it is. I think Jacoby Brissett is a fine backup, and he's been, you know, playing well enough on the offense. Like, they're scoring points. So I just don't love Jacksonville for the sense that I think that the Dolphins are still going to be able to put some points on the board. Uh, but I'm going to go with Miami's defense, actually, where I think that Miami will be able to – I know they don't have Xavier Howard this week, but I think it's a game where the Dolphins – you know, they're just going to win the game through willpower. I mean, Brian Flores, still a great head coach. And I still think that, you know, this is a team where they're one and four. They're not that good, but they put points up and they're competitive enough where I think they can beat Jacksonville. Uh, quick breaking news before I segue on that one. Cliff Kingsbury tested positive for COVID. Cardinals fans. Mm. Panic. Because <laughs> COVID is running rampant through their locker room. Uh, but back to the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, I'm so happy that you mentioned them because they're my not defense because of the fact that David Howard's not there because of the fact that they just haven't meshed this year. It's just something's been off with them. I don't know why. I, I guess the injury to, when you lose your QB early in the season it really kind of derails a lot of what you have planned because it lowers the morale of the team in general. Getting to a back could be a spark, but in London. Two has not been great anyway. I, 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 I'm going to hedge my Dolphins. I think that they are not. Uh, the defense is going to be asked to do a lot. I think Trevor Lawrence is just good enough to put some points up fast, especially with James Robinson getting a lot of more, a uh, lot more looks. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting to my defense, we talked about him a little bit before, but I'm going to go with the uh, Raiders defense. Just don't really like what's going on there in Las Vegas just with the unknown of how they're going to play. It's not really like a situation where you rally around something and play well. It's kind of like, you know, they're in a purgatory as a team right now because a new head coach comes in and now that's going to change the whole kind of vibes of the, you know, the locker room. And there's probably guys that still, you know, not that they're vehemently defending John Gruden, but they're probably a little upset that they lost their coach for the year. So, We'll see what happens with the Raiders, but I just would fade them in general against the Broncos, who a team that normally doesn't have an electric offense, but 
but I think they would be able to put up enough points uh, just due to maybe field position uh, battles and turnovers that are going to maybe occur for the Raiders. Yeah, if I'm betting on anything with the Raiders, I'd bet against them because usually when you see controversy, teams tend to wilt. They've mm-hmm. been uh, Derek Carr apparently, from what I've heard, uh, like on podcasts and like seeing on Twitter, he's been a real good galvanizing force in the locker room. But I question how far that could take a team like the Raiders, who you know they're always kind of a wild card anyway. So we'll yeah. see how that works out. But that will do it for the high knots of Week Six. Uh, Nick, you are kicking my butt still with that sweep of sweep from week four. I would need a sweep to catch back up, which, you know, so far this year, sweeps are not common. So we shall see what happens. For Nick Perillo, I'm Angelo Inglisa, and as always, we hope it pans out for you.